One of the things I've noticed about actually being a grown-up human person and having a family is that you end up doing a lot of cooking at home. And if you're like me, or most Americans, you don't really know how to cook at home. I'm not talking about my wife, Maddie. She's an excellent cook. I'm talking about me. Dinner in our household growing up was chicken tonight and what we affectionately call the white dinner, where Tom and Dari would take these... Uh, Tyson chicken breasts and douse them in this like cream of mushroom shit and then throw that thing into the oven 350 for an hour ding dinner or if it was my just my dad cooking it was a sleeve of uh eat some lots and hot dogs thrown into a paper plate with some of those freezer french fries you know the chalky ones you know the ones i'm talking about and throw those in the microwave until they blow up like tetsuo's arm from akira and then just Fart some mustard on and ketchup onto them. Dinner is served. Well, I decided to put some recipes together for you out there. If you're like me, who uh, isn't that much of a cook, but wants to make something besides top ramen and microwave pizza, and, and until you ultimately collapse because the kids are crying, so you put them in the car and just go through the drive-through at McDonald's. Who I will say has the best fast food French fries? Come at me. I have a home filled with cookbooks written by professional chefs. Their recipes call for ingredients I can't source, vague techniques I can't execute, and equipment to which I simply don't have access. Most of us just have a stove with two or four weak burners, an oven, hand-me-down pots and pans, and a mediocre grocery store around the corner with a lousy produce section and a basic selection of flavorless meats and inedible food. We want to make something besides top ramen with Parmesan from delivered pizza but we have no desire to clarify our own stocks or need fresh pasta. We don't need a recipe that serves eight, and we don't need someone to explain why one of the lesser grades of caviar is actually preferable to the most expensive grade. And I don't need a picture of Emeril pretending to be look, looking apologetically at a crayfish. Millions of cookbooks are sold under the pretense that a professional chef can make meaningful contact with an untrained public via large, glossy photographs of neatly seared foie gras. I don't know, I've never seen foie gras at Safeway or Aldi. And who actually has been taught how to devein that little sucker? Who out there truly thinks that they are one-upping the restaurant industry by cooking foie gras at home? Like most TV cooking programs, which I watch a lot of, I can actually recommend The Chef Show, which is an extension of the movie Chef that John Favreau put together, which is an awesome flick. And they're just revisiting some of the recipes and places where they cooked a lot of these things in the movie and the story is pretty decent to boot um, and also a treat if you're a big comic book geek like me they because Favreau's plugged into the MCU to Marvel comic universe and he knows Downey Jr. and like all those Marvel people intimately because he directed Iron Man the first one which was awesome 2008. He brings in a lot of these people into the cooking segments and it's just fantastic. Watch it. It's on Netflix right now. So anyway, these cookbooks aren't going to teach you how to go into America's chain grocery stores and do something good with the mediocre staples you find under the fluorescent lighting. But good things can be done with the meats, cheeses, starches, produce, and spices you find under those flickering blue lights. With a modicum of technique, you can take $2 worth of quasi-legal stew meat and create a dinner that rivals any $25 entree. I'm talking $25 entree, okay? With nothing more than a hot oven, you can transform unmanipulated russet potatoes into something more exquisite than lobster tail. Salt, water, 
and a drinking glass can turn a leathery pork chop into a tender cutlet worth 10 times its original price. So come join me as I sift through some of the recipes that Muslim, my wife, has taught me over years of cooking in poorly equipped kitchens. Our kitchen's pretty nice right now, actually, but mostly we've had shitty kitchens for the past 40 years for me. Um, these recipes won't call for you to use chinois. They will not require that your oyster-glazed cauliflower flan be served in a pasteurized eggshell. And nowhere will you be asked to buy a $9 canister of green peppercorns or a $358 white truffle. These recipes are for real. They're not fancy, and they're not really visually appealing, and in many cases, they're not even good, but some of them are actually possible. Happy cooking. And these recipes especially will be really cool for the summertime season as we are in right now. So, that having been said. Oh, also, this is a fun little piece of trivia here. Uh, you can throw this around at your next cocktail party. A gourmet is one who enjoys good food and drink. A gourmand is one who enjoys good food and drink in large quantities. A gastronome is one who enjoys the history and sociology of cookery. An epicure is more discriminating in taste than a gourmet, but more uptight. And a foodie, that's not a word, so don't ever use it. That's my son, Daniel. He's screaming right now. I'm just going to leave that in. And Jack's sitting over there in his little walker chair. Oh, yeah, before you uh, get, to, get to doing any of these things, set your stage. Set your stage before you start your show. Cooking stool types call this mise en place, but you can just think of it as getting all your ingredients ready and arranged around your cutting board ahead of time so you can grab them when you need them. First recipe, diamond juice. We've been enjoying this one. Real simple. Ready? Ingredients. Frozen bottle of kettle one. Always keep your vodka in the freezer. Two. Frozen martini glasses. Always keep your martini glasses in the freezer. We don't have martini glasses. But if you're going to make this drink, make sure you have a chilled glass. So pro tip, get a rocks glass or any iced tea glass or any highball glass or any glass you have in the kitchen. It could be a memorabilia 2008 Phillies World Series championship pint glass that some beer distributor was giving out for free that year. Just wet it down a little bit and throw it in the freezer facing down. Leave it in there for 15 minutes and then you have a nice chill right around it. All frosty. It's perfect. And three, a lemon. Always have a lemon. So, real easy. For this one, you might even want to use a lemon zester. Um, if you don't know what that is or have one, don't worry about it. Just cut a wedge of lemon and put it in there. Take the cup out of the freezer, put some ice in there. Pour the kettle one into the frozen glass with ice. Squeeze the lemon, which releases like awesome fine essential oils and lemony zestness and it's freaking incredible. Enjoy immediately. So this stuff has got to stay cold. If you want to get kinky with it, then twist it with an orange. Ooh. And that's diamond juice, my friends. This next one is called rude chicken. All right. First, you got to get a chicken, four pounds. 
It should be from the grocery store, and it would be good if it was like free range style. Not because you should care about its life, although you should, I, I guess, but because the flavor is better. If you go to a crummy grocery store and you're not going to get anything but crummy foster farms, birds, and I guess that will have to do, but you know what I'm saying. Get a good chicken. Try harder. <laughs> is it, it's a, it is a weird line we walk, wanting chickens to have a good life, but also wanting to eat them all the time, like so much of them. Anyway, so you need some brine. What is brine? Is it complicated? Well, my little baby birds, the brine is nothing more complicated than salt and sugar mixed in water. Take two gallons of water, half a cup of sugar, and a cup of salt, and stir that stuff all around until it's all disintegrated into the water. When you plop some meat into this water, the fluids in the meat exchange with the brine, and new flavors are carried into the meat. Think of this process as osmosis, and you will kind of get the idea. Let your bird soak in the water overnight in the fridge. Use a big pot, whatever, just keep it cold. The greatest talent of a chicken is to unleash death if not kept at a proper low temperatures prior to cooking. Anyway, during the night is when all the molecules go all crazy and party in and out of the meat. So now it is the next day, and you want to cook yourself some bird. Well, that is real great. Turn your oven up to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. If you got a grill, which we do now, even better. While the oven is coming up to temperatures, 20 minutes or so, I don't know, take the bird out of the brine, throw it in a roasting pan. Make sure the breasts are up, like how you would normally want them to be. They won't dry out due to the brining. Brush it with olive oil or butter and shake pepper all over it and throw it in the oven. Some people get all fancy with string and stuffing and whatnot, but don't, don't worry about any of that. In like an hour and a half, take a look at the oven. That sucker should be done, but you cannot eat that in you cannot eat, eat that unless you uh, stick a thermometer into the deepest part of the breast and thermometer says something like, you know, this chicken is 170 degrees Fahrenheit. All right. So the thermometer won't use verbs unless it's really high quality one. But, you know, what's important here is that it says 170F. If you don't have a thermometer, cut into the joint where the thigh and body meet. If the juices run clear, then you are done. The leg should wiggle easily and almost fall out of its joint. Let the chicken rest outside of the oven 10 minutes before cutting and uh, the juices stop flowing and they stay put in the meat. And when you eat this chicken, you should notice how flavorful and moist the meat is. Due to the brining, the skin might not be so rad, but you shouldn't eat the chicken skin anyway. It's really bad for you. Just peel that stuff right off. Maybe the best part is the leftovers will be extra juicy due to brining. Keep the extra carcass for days in the fridge and then you can make all kinds of other things out of it. And that, my friends, is rude chicken. This is a very special, this is a, this is a very special recipe. We call these the flavor burgers. One of the things that I've come to appreciate is the uh, beauty and simplicity of the all-American meal of the cheeseburger. It, it's an amazing, it's an amazing food, really. It's between the bun, and the patty and the cheese and whatever topping you want to put on it. It's like, it's a perfect American food. Uh, and I enjoy them whenever I get the chance. I try not to eat too much of them though. But this time of year is perfect for making these burgers. If you got a grill, great. Don't have a grill, don't worry about it. So, flavor burgers. Ground beef, it's generally sold in fat to meat ratios ranging from 20 to, 20 to 80 to 595. 
Before you instinctually go shooting for the lowest fat content, remember that this is cheap, tough meat, which benefits from the self-basting and flavoring of its inherent fat. I prefer a 1585 as the leaner varieties tend to make it kind of a pebbly, chewy patty. Like all mass-produced beef in this country, the ground beef we get at the supermarkets, it needs a lot of help in the flavor department. Here, we fix the problem with some old kitchen standbys. You get some Worcestershire sauce, mustard, and cheese. Worcestershire and mustard permeate the meat, enhancing its natural flavor with their sweetness and acidity. The grated cheese bastes the meat from within as it melts, adds richness, and helps form the all-important crust. Lastly, some restaurants brag about their half-pound burger, eight-ounce burgers. I, uh, I brag about my three-ounce burger, and we came to this decision um, very carefully. See, what's wrong with a nice, thin patty? It's full of flavor, crusty brown surface, top of the layer of crisp, cool vegetables. And think about it, they cook faster, they cost less, and you serve more people. You don't slow your party down. Try it, three-ounce burger. So these are the ingredients for one patty. And you can easily double it, triple it. Three ounces of ground beef, 85 to 15 mat, uh, meat fat ratio. One teaspoon Worcestershire sauce, one teaspoon yellow American mustard, half ounce grated cheddar, mild or sharp, whatever you want, and an eighth of a te teaspoon of salt. Mix those together into the patties. Cheese goes right in there. The toppings are, you know, uh, whatever your preferences are, but I like to top the burger with ketchup, mayo, uh, pickle chips, and crisp iceberg lettuce. So you let the meat mixture rest for at least 10 minutes before you cook it. Sear the patty over medium-high heat in a dry, non-stick pan. Don't move the patty once it has been laid in a hot pan. Don't move it. This will disrupt formation of the crust. You fry for three minutes on the first side, two minutes on the second side. After flipping, press the patty down firmly with your spatula for a moment to maximize pan contact. Toast your bun before serving to remove its raw flour flavor and add some crunchy texture. And there you have the flavor burgers. Try them. They're good, and you can eat about 50 of them. This next recipe is fantastic. We've had it on the grill twice already. I highly recommend it. Beer can chicken, or as we call it, beer butt chicken. You need five pound chicken with all the guts teared out. One aluminum can of beer. It could be a tall boy or regular size 12 ounce can. You need just something. Yes, Jack. Standard and American, like we used Bud, Ying, uh, and PBR. Okay, so there's your beer. A teaspoon of onion powder, teaspoon of garlic powder, half a teaspoon of salt, half a teaspoon of pepper. Spray on the oil, you know, whatever you want. Oil, a little bit of butter, mix it in there. Just lather that bad boy up. Preheat your grill or oven, 400 degrees. Line a small roasting pan with the foil shiny side down. Pour all the seasonings into the beer can and stick it into the big butt opening of the chicken. Then, sit the chicken upright, like he's stand, standing or sitting in a chair or a throne, a beer throne, if you will, onto the roasting pan and then use the beer can as this base. He'll stand right the fuck up for you. And then spray his skin all over with all the oils and everything you're using as the seasonings and then throw salt and pepper over the skin and then stick them in the oven or on the grill for like, this takes a little while too, so you, you can pregame with some beers and nachos and chips and salsa and whatever it is. Play some cornhole. Talk about how, uh, you know, 
Bryce was supposed to be the great white hope of the Phillies, and I don't know, he needs to, it's tough to be that guy. It's tough to be that guy. Um, the fluid in the seasonings in the beer will stream up, in, through, and all over the bird and flavor it, as well as keep it real moist. It's a zubagood. So guys, enjoy your summer. If you've been doing, enjoying the music in the background, that's me. And uh, I keep telling myself I'm going to start. I'm going to write an album. I'm going to put 12 songs together in the vein of uh, not necessarily country, but some kind of an Americana, you know. Think Drive-By Truckers, Jason Isbell in the 400, Allison Krauss, Union Station. Um, maybe not Chris Stapleton. He's a little too, you know, I've got the nutsack as the little thing on the trailer of my Ford F-150. But in that vein, um, also, um, this is, I mean, it's just living out in the country now, getting really into uh, bow hunting. Yeah. Hoyt makes an amazing compound bow. Um, uh, you can listen to more of this stuff when uh, Joe Rogan's interviewed this guy, Cameron Haynes, a bunch, which is pretty neat, fascinating. Guy is an absolute animal. He runs like 50 miles a day. And uh, there's another podcast, which is a little more less, you know, type A, superstar, mainstream. These guys are more like guys you'd see playing darts at a bar next to the buck hunter machine. Uh, East Coast bow hunting. They're fun. Enjoy your summer, guys. And, uh, you know, like, drop me a line uh, every now and then just to give me some encouragement. Say, where's that Where's that country music album, Dan? You know? How, you been, how come you've been so few and far between making the podcast? Where have you been? I think the answer is right there. Got these two little shit birds. Hey Jack, you good? Daniel, what you doing, bub? And that having been said, I will talk to you soon. Via con Dios, amigos. Hello. Check, check one, two. Check one, two, one, two, three, four. It is 8.29 a.m., Thursday, October 31st, 2019. I'm currently driving along Camberton Road up to 113. It is Halloween, everybody. Halloween. It's been a while. And the days are going by like candles in the wind, as Tom Petty, rest in peace, would say. And I got nothing to report. I mean, nothing. And this is quotidian, everyday, run-of-the-mill, humdrum existence. I didn't say it was bad, but, I mean, you basically, like, print, stamp print, every day is kind of like a facsimile of the one before it. Minor variations. Um... Yeah, no auditions, really. Nothing. I'm not booking anything. I'm like solidly 38 Irish Catholic white dude that, you know, nobody wants a piece of this, man. I'm not a minority. I'm not a female. I'm not woke. I'm not young. I'm not very attractive at all anymore. It's like, welcome. No one gives a shit about you. Work harder. No one cares. Um, 
And no one's, yeah, no one's, I'm not getting hired. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have I have a job, thank, I mean, I have a job, a real job, as my father would say. You gonna keep doing this, uh, plays and stuff, or? I remember when I was, uh, bartending back in East Falls. Like, it was honestly, like, when I'd run into, like, friends of mine, I won't say names, but friends of mine from grade school. And high school that still stayed in the area and became firefighters like real people real jobs real professionals firefighters uh police officers some cases lawyers very rare cases doctors people with you know academic kind of stuff they never they weren't at a bar every night but if you're a lieutenant in the fire department in a really low activity area you know not you don't catch fire all the time because people like you know take care of their houses and then yeah, you can make you can make a decent amount of money as a lieutenant in the Philadelphia Fire Department if you're at a station that doesn't catch a lot of fire. Yeah. And thank God we have that public utility, but I mean, you're getting paid decent to basically sit around. I'm not gonna say they, they don't have to like stay in shape and do drills and all that shit, but and then they have to actually risk their lives if something is on fire. So there is always that sort of Damocles dangling overhead. But, um, that's it. <laughs> you know, taking care of the kitties. Uh, dying to do some kind of acting. I'd love to get cast in, like, a like a small... And then here's where, like, my brain needs to kickstart itself. My brother John was better about this. Just write something and direct it and put it together. And you don't even need that much money to do it. And you don't. Um, my brother John was really good at getting things done. I was good at showing up and doing it, but, but that, that whole initial, in a lot of ways, my younger brother, John is, is older than me in maturity ways and stuff like that. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know what happened to me. I got lost for an extended sojourn in the ghetto of drunkenness and wallowing and self-pity and fear and doubt and naughty lumps of guilt and self-hatred and years just being like oh nothing's happening well fucking nothing's happening because no one wants to hire the dude that's like oh nothing's happening kickstart your brain look on the sunny side that's when things started popping off for me and they will again I still think and this is the delusion of my my mom used to say about my dad my dad would be like yeah, I never had a bad day in my life because my dad the way he describes his relentless bizarre like indefatigable optimism as he describes it as like a wire that goes from the heavens down to the back of his brain through his through his skull to the back of his cerebellum into his nervous system which is a, which is a, a direct energy line a transmission if you will of pure optimism no matter what that's how he describes it I got the wire dar I got the wire and- oh I got cut off there because I had to I unplugged the phone from the doesn't matter to some a lesser extent, I think I do too. I got. I still think my best days are ahead of me. 
Um, <laughs> Shakadoga. Hope everyone has an awesome Halloween. Um, I know I am. It's gonna be great. It already is great. Um, one thing though, I was at the Planet Fitness, so, and you're gonna hear me order some McDonald's. Just one second. Yes, sir. May I have two hash browns? Sure can. Two sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffins. That's it. 1013, please pull the first drive out the window. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, I was at Planet Fitness, so, and I didn't have my headphones, so, you know, first world problems. I had to listen to the clear channel, whatever it is. Cheers. Happy Halloween. So the song comes on and it starts out with the familiar riff we all know from the B-52s. And I'm like, sweet, rock lobster. Thank you, sir. And this dude starts like talk rapping over it. He's like, oh no, I woke up in my neighbor's yard. Let me introduce myself. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it's like every cliched thing from like a mid-2000s movie. Like, dude, where's my car? Like, yo, so wasted. I put my patio furniture in my neighbor's pool. I'm not as drunk as... I'm not as think... He says at one point in the song, I'm not as think as you drunk I am. Um, It was the corniest shit I've ever heard in my life. And I found it, it was by this band called Panic. I shit you not, this is their name. Panic at the Disco. And Disco is spelled with, like, Q. Alright, cheers, man. Thank you so much. I'm gonna, I'll put a link to it in this podcast, but it, it is just the fucking most cringe thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, other than that, um... Fucking... Yeah, man. I'll talk to you guys soon, hopefully with something real, or at least scripted and funny to say. Alright. Peace and the least. Mwah.